Hello and welcome to the Evolution Medicine Podcast. As always, I am Joe Alcock, your host. And for first-time listeners, I am an emergency physician at the University of New Mexico. I also teach evolutionary medicine at the UNM Department of Biology. For this week, we're going to talk about a recent journal article that was published in November of 2016. And a lot has happened since November of 2016. And I will mention that I uh, took a break and went on two fantastic trips. Uh, one was to Japan, where I went to the Sendai City Hospital and helped train some of their trainees in emergency medicine. And learned some amazing things about the Japanese medical system that I can talk about briefly. I will just say that, you know, when we think about how healthcare is delivered in the United States, and certainly in my home state of New Mexico, uh, when I go to work, we see stabbings, lots of trauma, a fair amount of injuries that relate to alcohol abuse, a lot of people who come in with substance abuse problems that uh, complicate and cause a huge number of health problems, and I would estimate that anywhere between 15 to 50 percent of patients that might be in the emergency room at any given time uh, are there because of either alcohol or trauma uh, related to our way of doing business here in the United States or, you know, substance abuse. So if you could wave a magic wand, uh, give everybody a primary care doctor so they can avoid coming into the ER, if you then got rid of 90% of illegal recreational drug use and eliminated some, you know, over 50% of serious alcohol abuse, uh, removed the potential for gun trauma, well, what you'd end up with is Japan. So when I went down to their ER, and I've got uh, an image of this on my Twitter feed that I can also post on the, on the blog... Um, it was empty. There wasn't a single person in the Sendai City Hospital Emergency Department. And this was on a Friday night uh, where I'm sure at home there were hundreds of people uh, in the um, crowding the you know, pediatric and adult emergency department at my home institution at the University of New Mexico. So it really struck me that uh, maybe my goal really should be to put myself out of business. And to do that, it's going to require some cultural change as well as health systems change and maybe um, you know, a few lessons from evolutionary medicine along the way. I also spent time in New Zealand uh, visiting an emergency medicine friend of mine, Andy Brainerd, who has uh, his own uh, blog called The Sharp End, and he's also active in the foam com community, and that is free, open-access medical education. Uh, Andy is about to uh, embark on a sabbatical to... Uh, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, where he will be acquainted with more of the uh, penetrating trauma uh, kinds of things that we, we see back here in the United States. Uh, but in New Zealand, again, um, there's very little in the way of uh, gun violence. Um, and just because of some other changes um, in the way that having a health care system uh, that is nationalized and is able to deliver care to everybody, uh, they have a, a relatively sedate emergency department uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, where he works. So we talked about that. Um, and of course, spending some time in the summer in New Zealand, 
2017 was a great way to start start this year. But now it's back to work, and I'm going to get busy uh, updating the blog at evolutionmedicine.com. Uh, we have a fairly uh, busy schedule. I have uh, some podcasts uh, planned uh, coming up uh, with some of my colleagues here at the university. Um, so keep your eye on this space and we'll uh, make sure that we populate it with interesting things. So this episode will be a relatively short one. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, a recent study published in JAMA. Again, this was in November 2016. And this is the HIPRESS study. It's the hydrocodone, sorry, <laughs> here we were talking about uh, drugs of abuse. Um, let, me, let me start again. This is the hydrocortisone for prevention of septic shock. So again, using glucocorticoids to prevent septic shock, the HIPRESS study. And this is a randomized controlled trial. It was done in Germany. Uh, there were mul multiple centers uh, that were involved in this randomized controlled trial. They did 34 intensive care units, or what they call intermediate uh, care units, in university and community hospitals in Germany. So that's a major strength of this study, and that it's not a single center's trial, so we avoid some of the bias that comes along with that. And this study also benefited from enrolling 380 adult patients who had sepsis, severe sepsis, who they claimed were not in septic shock. So the idea was they wanted to know if we take these patients that are, have a serious systemic infection and have some, ep some evidence of serious sepsis, can we make them better and prevent them from going into a decompensated shock uh, or dying by giving them hydrocortisone? So this is not the first time this has been studied. And in fact, you know, part of me a decent part of me is is surprised that they even embarked on this study because this has been looked at multiple times before where we give hydrocortisone or glucocorticoids with the idea of tamping down the immune response uh, to patients with uh, serious infections and sepsis. And guess what? To date, no anti-inflammatory therapy has ever worked in sepsis or serious infections. This will come as no surprise to listeners of this uh, blog. This is a theme that I keep returning to, but it's a theme that I return to because more and more research gets published that reinforces this idea. And I will call this the uh, evolutionary medicine less is more uh, category of uh, topics for this, this, this blog and this podcast. So there is a less is more movement, which involves doing less things to fewer people with the idea that much medical intervention is misguided and sometimes harms people and we can avoid those harms by more carefully tailoring um, our treatments and diagnostic modalities uh, but some perhaps unquantifiable amount of what we do is harmful and excessive and this has to do with both diagnostic modalities like getting cat scans doing uh, unnecessary testing and it also involves treatments. In this case, perhaps things like anti-inflammatory treatments for shock. But let's talk more about this, this particular uh, trial. This was a double-blind randomized controlled trial. Uh, one group was randomized to receive a continuous infusion of hydrocortisone. Uh, they gave that for five days, and then they uh, tapered it off for 
another six days. And then the second group received uh, a similar appearing treatment uh, that contained placebo. So again, good, good design of the trial. Uh, Multi-center, so that's a major strength. Um, if anything's gonna come up with an answer to this question, this is the design that is most likely to do it. So in this study, um, severe septic shock, which was one of the outcome measures, appeared in 36 of the 170 patients who were treated with hydrocortisone, so this is the treatment group, and it appeared in 39 of the 170 patients in the placebo group. So basically, and again, like many other studies, this study didn't show that hydrocortisone was necessarily harmful, it just showed that it was useless. So there was no difference between patients who proceeded to severe shock, there was no difference in patients who proceeded to die, so mortality was the same at 90 days. And uh, basically this is another negative study. So usually, and of course there's been a bias against you know negative studies um, in the past, uh, in that they were less likely to get published. Thankfully that's changing. They uh, have less of an impact than positive studies that do show uh, an impact or a, a, what, we, what we think of as being a, a, a quote-unquote good result. So if hydrocortisone actually improved mortality, that would be big news. Um, the investigators would be invited to speak at all sorts of conferences and uh, be good for their careers, etc. So we do have these built-in biases towards positive results, uh, but uh, usually our reaction to negative results is just to forget. And that's why I think we can have so many different um, studies that have looked at the effect of hydrocortisone in sepsis. I think with this study, um, in addition to all the previous ones, uh, well, and I'm sure there will be meta-analyses that will incorporate these results, um, there may no longer be equipoise about the question about whether hydrocortisone may or may not help sepsis. So, bottom line, hydrocortisone, unhelpful, doesn't work, you know, the investigators hem and haw about maybe there might be some subgroups that may possibly benefit, but it's very unlikely that we're going to do those, those studies. Um, the evidence thus far suggests that um, giving uh, glucocorticoids with the aim of reducing the immune response in patients with sepsis uh, doesn't do any better. So there's two questions that I think are, are, are raised by this. So one is, what should we do with this information? And then two is... Um, why didn't it actually hurt people? Because you know the evolutionary uh, medical approach to thinking about you know adaptation in medicine would suggest that if you got a big infection, heck, the thing you need is your immune system. So most people, I think, who have been trained in uh, with an evolutionary background would be apt to think that giving hydrocortisone is not going to help. It's going to be actually worse. So why didn't it actually harm people? Uh, so those are two uh, interesting questions. So for, to the first question, what do we do with this, this information? I think that we trumpet this information and we add it to the, we point out to the medical community and to the community at large that this is again, not the first anti-inflammatory therapy. We've talked about Zygris and uh, on the blog, I've had multiple entries talking about uh, other anti-inflammatory therapies, all of which have not worked to improve mortality and sepsis. What does work? Prompt identification of a serious infection, uh, appropriate antibiotic therapy, uh, fluids, 
seems there seems to be some consensus about again judicious amounts of giving intravenous fluids to people, but that is also perhaps not proven uh, to be helpful. Uh, but those kinds of things seem to be uh, the way to go for pa patients with sepsis. Giving them anti-inflammatory or immune modulating medications thus far has been a complete bust, a total failure. It's remarkable that people still invest in uh, coming up with new therapies, and of course hydrocortisone isn't a new one, and it's moderately interesting that people continue to study old treatments like hydrocortisone. Uh, if I were, you know, if there were a betting market for uh, this kind of research, um, I can, I, I will bet that there's going to be more because people simply don't learn from these kinds of negative studies and that those future studies will also fail. Uh, none of them have worked to date. There's no reason to think this is going to work. Um, and that argues that there's something wrong with the underlying assumptions about sepsis and severe infections. The underlying assumption that drove this trial is that there's something harmful and maladaptive about the body's immune response to infection. So the idea is that the body doesn't know better and becomes, we'll say again with, with air quotes, dysregulated and produces a harmful immune response that interferes with uh, the body's maintaining a stable internal state or homeostasis. Again, I think that we've, we have fetishized this idea of homeostasis in both biology and, and in, especially in medicine. The idea that that is the goal of the body. Um, and I would argue that, that the idea of homeostasis has been a harmful one in that it leads to studies like this. Um, we should instead be thinking about how the body changes in response to environmental challenges and infectious threats and thinking about ways in which those responses carry both costs and benefits. So it's not the case that the immune response is just costly and harmful. If that were the case, then all of the immune modulating therapies that have come before this one and this one all would have failed. Again, not the case. So what does that tell us? Hey, there's something adaptive about the way that the immune system is regulated in serious infection. That is the lesson to be learned from this, it seems to me. And that is the message that I would like to, to convey. Again, this again is my, my opinion. So then the second question is, well, why didn't it actually hurt people? If the immune response is good for us and is optimally regulated, etc., why is it that giving hydrocortisone didn't increase mortality and didn't increase the proportion of patients who proceeded to you know, have severe life-threatening septic shock? I think the answer is that is twofold. So one, I think that over evolutionary time, we have confronted lots of pathogens whose main mode of operation is to downregulate the immune response, to interfere with different, different immune pathways. And we've gotten pretty good about uh, overcoming those kinds of threats in, we'll say, otherwise healthy people. So I think our physiology has a built-in resilience towards the downregulation of any one mode of interference with the immune system. That Again, this is my speculation about this. Um, and then, you know, the other is that uh, we have seen some evidence of harm with other anti-inflammatory therapies. So I think in the, in the universe of anti-inflammatory therapies, we would expect increased mortality overall. In one study, um, I think perhaps we can explain the absence of harm uh, by, the, by this modality, by uh, the fact that we have built in multiple 
inline parallel systems that attack infections in various ways and interfering with any one of those or even several of them um, results in the upregulation of, of other pathways. So I think if we looked for those kinds of things, we'd see it. But it is, it is a, a fact that many pathogens um, profit and have their ecological niche in terms of uh, being virulent and, and, and causing harm to us, that that way of life requires interfering with evolved anti-infection defenses. So this is not a new thing for us. The fact that we doctors are throwing some hydrocortisone um, at this population is not a novel um, phenomenon in terms of if we look at the broad scope of evolution, uh, our bodies have been coping with pathogens that have been trying to do the same thing for, for a long time. So that's my take on that. Um, I hope that this, that this uh, well actually I hope this is not a recurring theme, uh, but I, I'm sure we're gonna find more papers that come out on this kind of topic. And if that's the case, we'll have more entries into this uh, cat category of podcast, that is the evolutionary less is more movement. So. Here we can say, you know, giving less hydrocortisone overall and certainly not giving septic shock patients hydrocortisone in general is probably a good idea. And with that, I will sign off and we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.